Hi, I'm Joseph Feraldi. I want to thank you for joining us here at Bayside Chapel Online. Our prayer is that today's service will be a blessing to you, that it will encourage you in your journey with Jesus Christ, and it will help you to see all that God has in store for you. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to bless you, and we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Just send us an email at amen at baysidechapel.org. Remember that you can stay in touch with us at any time. Just visit the App Store and search for our app at Bayside Chapel of NJ. Also, if God is using this ministry to bless you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Simply go online to BaysideChapel.org or use the Bayside Chapel app and choose whatever option works best for you. Enjoy today's message. Well, since this is the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we thought we'd do things a little differently today uh, in that the sermon is going to be quite short. And all God's people said, yay! The sermon is going to be a little on the short side so that we can save a good amount of time at the end of the service for some testimonies, for some sharing, so that you can offer your thanks, your praise to God for his goodness to you. And uh, you might want to be thinking a little bit about that ahead of time. We're just asking that you keep it short. We're not looking for life stories. We're looking for, you know, a few sentences of, of I thank God for this, I praise God for the other. Um, keep it brief and, and biblical. Let's, you know, keep it, keep it true to Scripture. And uh, you'll be thinking about what you want, might want to share at the end of the service. Uh, though I am a Philadelphia Eagle fan, I started out Chicago born and raised, a fan of the storied Chicago Bears, the monsters of the Midway, you know, the Bears. Um, I, I was a Bears fan the last time they won the Super Bowl, way back in 1985. And yes, the Bears have been waiting to win another one even longer than the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, now, the reason I bring up the Bears Super Bowl victory was because of two pictures that are vividly burned in my mind of the celebration at the end of the Super Bowl that year, 1985. The first is a picture of head coach Mike Ditka being lifted on the shoulders of a couple of bears. The other picture is a picture of defensive coordinator Buddy Ryan being lifted up on the, th- on the shoulders of a throng of bears. And, and that kind of captured the sentiments of a lot of Bears fans at the time that Mike Ditka might have been our head coach, but it was Buddy Ryan and his defense that won that championship. Now, it was incidentally, I had just moved to Philadelphia in that the winter, and so I was living in Philly when the Bears won their championship, and it was like in the next year or so that Buddy Ryan left the Bears to come to Philadelphia to become the head coach of the Eagles, that my allegiance began to shift over to the, 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 the Eagles, and that's why I ended up being an Eagles fan. Now, I bring up the uh, Bears Super Bowl victory because of these, these pictures, and the vivid way that they depict how we sometimes lift up, even literally, that which we adore or appreciate. Which brings us to our Hebrew word for the day, the word rom, which is a word that means to exalt, to lift up. And today, on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, that's what we want to do together. We want to lift up the Lord, to exalt Him before others, praising Him for who He is and giving thanks for what He has done for us. This is week seven of our series, Holy Roar, in which we're looking at eight words that will transform the way you worship. 
Uh, we've been looking at these eight Hebrew words that could all be translated praise, but they all have a different nuance. And we've come to understand that praise isn't just one thing, but it's a multifaceted thing. We've been learning all the ways it's appropriate to praise God so as to be sure to offer God all the worship he deserves in all the ways appropriate to praise him. And so we've looked at words like yada, which means to go public with your confession of who God is or to give thanks for what he's done for you. There's the word halal, from which we get hallelujah. It's an expression of a, a celebration of the greatness of God. There is todah, the extension of a hand, uh, giving thanks for what we've received. Barak, to kneel before him in adoration. Uh, Tehillah, to offer a song of praise. Shabbat, to shout his praise. And today, Rum, to lift him up in exultation. Now, one passage that encourages us to lift up the Lord that way, exhorting us to praise God by exalting him, lifting him up, is Psalm 107. It's a psalm that starts off by exhorting, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And that kind of is the theme of the whole psalm. And then it, it illustrates God's steadfast love uh, through four different stanzas where he talks about God's deliverance of his people. Uh, some he delivered from the wilderness and gave them a city to dwell in. Some he delivered from a dark prison and brought them into light. Some he delivered from self-inflicted sickness and saved them from destruction. And then in verses 23 through 32, he vividly describes God's rescue of sailors from a stormy sea. And that's the stanza I want to focus on today. Psalm 107, beginning at verse 23, where it says, Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters. So these are merchantmen. They're, they're men who are accustomed to traveling the seas in search of, of uh, commerce. It says, they saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. If you've ever spent much time in the open ocean, I suppose you've been overcome with this sense of the grandeur of God's creation and the vastness of it. You know, seeing the, the expanse of the sea and then thinking about all of the, the life that is below you in the ocean. They saw all that. And then it says in verse 25, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind, which lifted up. And there's the first use of our word Rome in this passage. God is the, the lifter here. He's lifting up the waves of the sea in this storm. So the Lord is, is letting these sailors experience a stormy sea. It goes on in verse 26 to say, they mounted up to heaven, then went down to the depths. I don't know about you, but that brings to mind for me the movie poster from the old movie Perfect Storm. Remember that one? Where, where there's this massive storm and this, this great wave and this fishing boat going almost vertical, going up that wave. And you know what's going to happen once it crests that wave. It's going to go down to the depths afterward. And that's exactly what's being described here. They mounted up to the heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wit's end. You know, the very vivid picture here is sailors trying to keep their feet under them as their ship is rolling and rocking and they're having a hard time staying on their feet, much less having any success trying to save their vessel. Uh, they're at their wit's end, so what did they do? Verse 28, they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their, their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. What does that remind you of? The Gospels, right? 
The stories of Jesus calming this, the storms on the Sea of Galilee. Matthew chapter 8, for instance, where Jesus and the disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee and one of those famous Galilean storms comes up and, and they are being overwhelmed by the waves and the water's coming in the boat and the disciples say to Jesus, sleeping in the back of the boat, Master, don't you care if we're going to drown? And Jesus uh, gets up and he says, Peace be still. And the text says it goes from, in the Greek text, mega storm to mega calm, like that. Leading the disciples to wonder, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Well, fast forward to Matthew chapter 14, and Jesus is up in the hills. He tells his disciples to get in the boat and cross by night to the other side. He'll catch up to them in the morning. They're out there in the boat rowing when another one of these storms comes up, and they're rowing and rowing but not making any headway. Jesus sees all this from his, his vantage point. He walks out to them on the water in the middle of that storm. They're afraid until Peter says, Lord, if it's you, let me come out to you on the water. And Jesus says, okay, come on. Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking toward Jesus until it says he saw the waves. And, and he became afraid. And so uh, it says that he began to sink and Jesus grabbed him by the hand and pulled him out. And suddenly it became calm again. And leaving the disciples this time rightly concluding, surely this must be the Son of God. I find it fascinating that the psalmist, virtually in a prophetic manner, describes all of that a thousand years before it actually happened with Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. They cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, you think? And, and he brought them to their desired haven. Now, what do you do if you're sailors and, and the Lord has done all that for you? He's delivered you from this ferocious storm where you wondered if you were even going to make it out alive. And, and you cried out to him and he made the storm go quiet so that you were saved. Well, the uh, psalmist has some suggestions for these sailors. Here's how you, you give the Lord his due. Let them thank the Lord. That's our word yada from the beginning of our series. Uh, let them go public with their praise of God for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him. That's our, our word for today. Let them roam him. Let them lift him up in the congregation of the people and praise him. That's hallelujah. Let them say hallelujah. Celebrate the greatness of God in the assembly of the elders. Now, the psalm is going to go on to recount other great things that God has done for his people, but I want to camp out just on verses 31 and 32 for the rest of our time before our sharing time. Uh, this stanza of the psalm celebrates the deliverance of sailors from a stormy sea, but surely we're meant to see this scary adventure at sea as a metaphor for experiences that we all have in life. Times when we have felt tossed about, when life seemed to churn out of control, when we feared we'd never see the end of the storm or that we might not make it out alive, when our strength was spent and we didn't know what else to do, we were at our wit's end. So we cried out to the Lord in desperation and he came through for us just in time. And verses 31 and 32 in essence are saying to us all today, if the Lord has saved you, be sure to give him his due. If the Lord has saved you, be sure to give him his due. And certainly that includes all of us who know Jesus as our rescuer from sin 
and our leader for life. If you've been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, be sure to give him his due. And these verses uh, answer several important questions for us about, well, what does that mean? How How do we do that? How do we give God his due after all he's done for us? These verses answer important questions like, well, what exactly are we to give him? Uh, Why should we give him that? And where should we give it? Well, let's start with the the first question. What should we give him? What are we giving him when we give him his due? Let me give you a little lesson about Hebrew poetry. You need to understand that Hebrew poetry, which the Psalms are all Hebrew poetry, uh, Hebrew poetry doesn't rhyme. It's not driven by rhyme the way a lot of English poetry is driven. You know, so in English we expect lines to rhyme. Like, there once was a poet from Japan whose poetry no one could scan, and when he was told so, he said, yes, I know, but I tried to squeeze all the words into the last line that I can. (laughs) Right? Japan, scan, can. It, It rhymes. Well, Hebrew poetry doesn't do that. Hebrew poetry is driven by parallelism of thought. And so you say something... And then in the next line, you say the same thing, only using different words. And by using different words, you kind of expand on what you meant by the first line. And sometimes you would add a third line and use still different words, and so it becomes kind of a climactic thing where it builds and you gain greater and greater understanding of of what is meant. Well, that's what we have here in verses 31 and 32. It's a great example of climactic parallelism, three lines that build on each other. So it says, for instance, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. That's one thought. And then parallel to it, verse 32, let them extol him in the congregation of the righteous and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So three lines in parallel, all of which are saying the same thing and building to kind of a climax and helping us understand the importance of giving God his due by giving him praise. Yadahim, Rome, Halal, three words that are a variation on the same thing. Thank the Lord, extol the Lord, lift him up and praise him. This is how you give the one who has delivered you his due. He deserves your thanks, your exaltation, and your, your praise. Um, these are the three, three of the words that we've talked about in our series. Thank him, yada, means to praise him by declaring what you have come to believe true about him or what he has done for you. In this case, he has saved the sailors from a storm, and they are to thank him for that as an expression of his steadfast love toward them. Let them extol him. This is our word for today. Rome, let them lift him up. Those he has saved are extorted to lift him up so as to show him off to others. And then uh, praise him. They are to say hallelujah. They want all to know that it's their God who has brought about this great salvation for them. Thank the Lord. Extol him. Give him thanks as surely as Sailors who have been saved from a watery grave should give God his due. So also should we who have been saved by God's grace from the judgment our sins deserved. So also should we who have been rescued from the guilt and grip of sin by Jesus. What should we give him? We'll give him your thanks. Give him your exaltation. Give him your praise. Now here's the second question. Well, why? Why should we give all that to him? And verse 31 has the answer to that. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. There are really two reasons tucked away in that one verse. Uh, Thank him for his steadfast love. This is another important Hebrew word. It's the word hesed, which is difficult to translate. It's most often translated as loving kindness. 
in many of our English texts. It means a completely undeserved kindness or a generosity. It speaks of his mercy, his covenant loyalty to his people. So they are to, to thank the Lord for his hesed. The salvation that these sailors have experienced is a demonstration of that, that hesed, that loving kindness, uh, a mercy that flowed perhaps only out of God's loyalty to his people. And let them thank him not only for that disposition that God has, but also that the way he is drives him to act on behalf of his people. So they're to thank him for his steadfast love and for his wondrous works to the children of man. Thank him for the, the amazing way he stilled that storm for you as a demonstration of his loving kindness. Don't we have similar reasons for giving God his due? We thank him for his agape love today, for his undeserved grace, loving us even when we were his enemies, living in sinful rebellion against him. We, we thank him for his wondrous works, for how his love drove him to act on our behalf, putting his love on full display when Jesus died on the cross, bearing our sins, taking the punishment we deserved, and then raising him from the dead so that our raging sea could be stilled and we could be saved and know that we have eternal life in him. If the Lord has saved you, be sure to give him his due. What should we give him? Give him your thanks. Give him your exaltation. Give him your praise. Why should we give all that to him? Because of his steadfast love and how that drives him to do amazing things for us. And then the last question this passage answers is, well, where? Where should we do this? Where should we give him his due? Well, verse 32 answers that. Again, in parallel fashion, let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So it's saying, thank him, lift him up, praise him, praise him for his loving kindness, praise him for his wondrous acts, and do it right in front of everyone. Think about why our praise should be public. You know, it's a nice thing if you thank God in private, if you praise him in your personal prayer time, if you say thank you, Lord, in your bedtime prayers, that's, that's a good thing. But it honors him so much more if we say it right out loud where everyone can hear it. Now think about the, the 85 bears. It would have been one thing if they had lifted Buddy Ryan on their shoulders and, and trotted him around at the end of a practice when nobody else was really there to see it. It meant a whole other thing when they lifted him on their shoulders at the end of a Super Bowl and trotted him around that arena where tens of thousands of people could express their appreciation for what their coach had done for them. By all means, offer your thanksgiving in private. By all means, I hope you will stop before you dive into your turkey dinner on Thursday and, and express your thanks to God for all his blessings in your life and and maybe even go around the table and have each family member say what they're thankful for. But right now, we're going to act on the exhortation of verse 32. We're going to do exactly what it says here. We're going to give God his due by extolling him right here in the congregation of his people, praising him in the assembly of the elders. If the Lord has saved you, be sure to give him his due.